I'm Javed Nixon, President and CEO of Point Global Marketing, and you're tuned to Your Business Matters, a podcast brought to you by Exim Bank and hosted by Enika Watkins Portal. Your Business Matters brings thought leaders together on thought-provoking ideas every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on your favorite podcast app. You have questions and they have the answers. I am super excited to get into today's discussion, but before we do, Kareem Nemhard, Business Development Officer at the National Export-Import Bank of Jamaica, Exim Bank for short, joins me to share about the SMTE loan. Welcome, Kareem. Thank you so much, Anika. Thanks for having me. First up, what is SMTE? Our SMTE is a facility from the Tourism Enhancement Fund that is geared to entities that are linked directly and indirectly to the tourism sector. So that would be small and medium-sized tourism enterprises. That is absolutely correct. That's for small, medium tourism enterprises. Awesome. So why a loan specifically for that sector? Why is that sector important to Exim? All right. So as you know, our tourism sector is the lifeblood of our economy. Um, most times when you speak to the small accommodation um, sector, they will speak to, you know, challenges in terms of access to financing and also the interest rate when they go to like um, the private banks to seek financing. Now, with this 4.5%, it is extremely low. It's the lowest on, um, available on the market right now. So that allows them to access cheap money to expand their capacity, whether it's, um, you know, refurbishing, renovating, adding additional room, um, you know, just the whole rebranding of their accommodation. So this allows them, as I said, to expand their capacity. So will applicants need to have collateral in order to access this loan? Yes, they do. But Exim is flexible. We use a wide range of um, collateral. So it can be real estate. It can be third-party guarantees. It can be hypothecation of cash um, that you may have there sitting in your savings account that you probably don't plan on touching anytime soon. Bill of sale over serialized equipment. We use good receivables. So, I mean, there is a multitude of different securities that Exim use um, as their collateral. And how does one qualify for the SMTE loan? Our qualification is once you are in operation for at least two years and you can prove that at least 25% of your revenue is derived from the tourism sector, you're qualified. Awesome. And finally, where can persons go to learn more about, you know, getting access to the SMTE loan that Exim Bank offers? You can go to our website, um, eximbankja.com. Um, you can click on loans and you'll see all the different loans um, facilities that we have and click on SMTE and you'll see the literature there for your perusal. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kareem. That's Kareem Nemhard, Business Development Officer at the National Export-Import Bank of Jamaica. As I said, Exim Bank for short. Thank you, Kareem. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Waiting. Waiting on your receivables. Waiting to purchase raw materials to fulfill your next order. 
waiting to get paid for goods already sold. 60 days, 90 days, invoices way past due. But what if there was a solution to waiting? An insurance policy for trade credit? Protection against non-payment by buyers? What if your bank fully understood that not being paid on time for goods would have consequences for your tomorrow? What if you could be insured for up to 85% of your domestic and foreign receivables, so that if you don't get paid on time, your biggest priority, your business, will not have to wait? Trade credit insurance. Insurance worth having. Credit without waiting. Exim Bank. By helping businesses, we save lives and livelihood. COVID-19 has taught us the importance of pivoting and has changed the way we define productivity. Countries across the world, in an effort to protect their human resources, have implemented the work-from-home order, which has employees carrying out their professional duties from the comfort of their own home. According to ApolloTechnical.com, several studies have shown that working from home remotely versus being in the office space has seen persons spending 10 minutes less being unproductive. Employees work one extra day per week and has a 47% overall increase in productivity. Open office space also has its place. The open office concept became a vastly growing trend since its inception in the 1960s. The idea behind the model was to increase collaboration and creativity among staff as employers found these phenomena hard to quantify. Some employees have reported that they prefer the open office plan versus working from home as they find the setup to be less stressful, while on the other hand, a survey in 2019, according to fastcompany.com, stated that many employees struggle to focus within open office spaces as there is increased distractions and therefore a fight for focus on day-to-day -day tasks. Of course, we know that a part of the foundation of any good business on which it is built is the structure of companies, their, their overall structure. So not just the, the foundation of, you know, the the dollars and the cents and all these things, we need to have a proper foundation as to how employees work. So open office or remote office in terms of increasing collaboration, creativity, and productivity. And to start this out for us today, we've invited Dr. Dayton Robinson, who is the Chief Human Resources Officer at the VMBS Group, and yeah. Mark Ganya, CEO and founder of Captivated Health, to talk to us about this matter. Welcome, Mark and Dayton. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Yeah, man. It's yeah, really a pleasure to have you both. And I also let you know that we have Karen who is listening in. She's going to be listening keenly so that she can ask the question of both of you at some point throughout this conversation. So are you ready for the debate, uh, gentlemen? <laughs> sure. Sir, sure. Not a problem at all. All right. So first of all, maybe we need to start with the basics. And yes, I'm always big on starting with the basics. How do we measure, first of all, these concepts that we want to debate, which one is better? 
you know, open office or remote office. So how do we measure collaboration, creativity and productivity? And I know these are in and of themselves topics that we could be discussing individually. But for the purpose of this episode, let's keep it concise and tell us how do we go about measuring collaboration, creativity and productivity? All right, for me, uh, I think it all starts with objective setting, Henneke. It, the, the process of setting objective to ensure that there is business alignment is extremely critical from the get-go. If your objectives are not smart, the truth is it really doesn't matter if you're working remotely or in presence, you still will not be meeting the bottom line of the business if your objectives are wrong. So I think this thing rises and starts with leadership, good leadership, understanding the, the mission and the vision and the purpose of the organization, the business that you're in, and ensuring that the objectives that you're setting for your team members are measurable and that they can connect those dots, connect what they're doing to the overall business that they're in. That's where it starts. You get that wrong? It really doesn't matter where you are. Okay, and before we go, allow Mark to respond to that. Take a moment and share your claim to fame, really, at VMBase. Uh, what it is that you do? <laughs> what is that you do at VMBase at the VM Group? And and tell us a little about the group. Thirty seconds to do that. All right, so I'm the Group Chief HR Officer. Um, I've been in the field of HR for for twenty years. I do believe in um, progressive uh, HR agendas. Right, and I do believe so in political, using like the progressive agenda. Right, I'm uh, well, glad the HR is, before it. <laughs> and I do believe in using data and research to support decision making. Right, I think it's very, very important. I'm not hard and fast with any particular philosophy, but I'll, I'll be guided by by what the research has to say and based off um, experience. We're a group of companies. Um, we have uh, uh, six SBUs. And um, so we're not just in mortgage, but we are in wealth management, we're in pension, we're in property services, we're in innovation. And, um, and we have a centralized HR function that, that governs the entire um, business. So and by SBU, I lead that function. by SBU, what do you mean? Um, subsidiaries um, of, of the VM group, business units. Yes. Over, over to you, Mark, in terms of how you measure the, those concepts and then, or perhaps you want to share your claim to fame first and then how <laughs> you measure uh, those, those concepts. Yeah, first I'll uh, say where I'm, I'm hailing from. I'm hailing from uh, Boston, Massachusetts in the United States. I'm the co-owner uh, of brokerage, a benefits brokerage and consulting firm. We partner with organizations that invest a million dollars a year or more in providing Benefits are what many people call total rewards for their employees. Uh, it's the second largest line item on any financial statement on the expense side, and it grows four to five times faster than any other because of this thing we call healthcare and uh, financing health insurance for the employer uh, where people work. And so my particular area or claim to fame, as you call it, is a lifelong mission to make healthcare easier and more affordable for people. Um, I'm not a clinician by background, but I grew up Mom and dad were both clinicians. I'm in the business of healthcare. And so like Dayton's response, I agree, things need to be measurable. I, I tend to look at the world. So classically, I mean, let me finish the introduction. I'll just say I'm an entrepreneur, right? Because that's that's what I am, that's who I am. 
what does that mean? That means I look at the world a little differently than people who are not entrepreneurs. And if you are, then you understand what I mean by that. I look in the world in terms of measurement, two, two categories. There are hard and there are soft, right? So if I look at culture, right? Culture is the most important thing uh, in any organization. In fact, it's been said, I can't claim credit and I don't know who said this, but I, I are indeed it. I robbed and duplicate it. And, 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 and I, it goes like this, you know, culture has the shelf life of a banana. If you do not take care of a culture and it has to be a daily event, uh, it will rot just like a banana rots very, very quickly. If it's left out in the open sun, it's not protected. And even so, it it, it, it does happen r relatively quickly. So I agree measurement. Um, so uh, as an entrepreneur looking at, you know, hard ROI, right? What's the return on investment? And the return on investment can be measured in hard metrics. What's our top line growth? What's our profitability? What's our productivity for employee? You know, those are all the hard items that you can measure. The things that are in the soft side are the impact on culture, the flexibility people have with their life, the, the way they, I don't even believe in work-life balance. It's work-life integration. There is no such thing as balance. We all just figure out a way to make it work. And uh, with all the responsibilities, you know, the sandwich generation taking care of kids and taking care of elderly parents. You know, there are, there are a lot of ways to measure the impact of this. Um, I just think they both come in two categories, as I mentioned, the, the hard and fast business and then the soft impact on people. All right. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. Thank you as well, um, Dayton, for your earlier sure. response. Now, I want us to know throughout or, or put out there on, for, on the table for this question, the open office versus the working from home aspect of it. And I know that, Mark, you're tending to argue for the remote aspect, but... I want us to, in our in our, in our discussion, kind of take COVID nineteen away from 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 the discussion because we know that with it with, with with this pandemic, then pretty much everybody has been forced to work remotely. So it's a given, right? Whether or not we were ready, but what it is, I want to get from you prior to COVID nineteen. Um, what were the arguments for remote work? Because not many people were very, you know. Um, receptive to the idea of working remotely no it's like it's a given you know it's a, it's expected so as you respond to the to the to the questions bear in mind that we are we want to go back pre-covid 19 to get a sense of what were those benefits before that we weren't really seeing and now we're now thrust into that so give us your best arguments for working remotely and how that increases collaboration productivity and creativity. Okay, I'd be happy to. And just for the record, because I want to put it on record, I'm a big believer in the hybrid, uh, <laughs> the hybrid model. But, but you asked me to argue in favor of remote, so I'm going to argue in favor of remote because if I had You're to tip... away my secret, right? No, 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 but if I, had to tip, if I had to tip one way or the other, I would tip towards remote. So this is okay, right? I'm just going to... I'm just putting it on the table what I believe, but I will argue the remote side because I really strongly believe in them. Uh, as a form of, of uh, overall, overall productivity and the overall experience for, for workers. So if I look at the remote office environment, um, I really believe there are six uh, things that I can think of uh, that would make it a strong argument to be the way to conduct businesses, at least in, in our business. I, I will share with you pre-COVID, uh, my business partner and I, we're, we're insurance and financial professionals, okay? We're, we're not techies, um, but we do have people who understand technology and who make recommendations to us. And seven years ago, 
we started making a move towards remote office without intentionally calling it a remove to remote office. You see, I live in an area of our country. We get these big things called nor'easters, huge snowstorms that dump two and three feet of snow on the ground and can cripple your operation. So we were preparing for that type of situation to happen and migrating all of our functionality to the cloud uh, over time. We were equipping all of our staff with you know, computers and cell phones and electronic tools they needed to, to operate this way. So if and when we had a snowstorm, a blizzard, that we would be prepared for it. Um, so interestingly enough, it wasn't a blizzard, it was COVID. Uh, but nonetheless, the preparation still prepared us for this move. We allowed almost every position, we have 70 employees, we allowed almost every position to, uh, to work from home, except for a couple where people disagreed. Uh, and actually that's proven not to, be, um, not to be the right argument, but we didn't know that before COVID. Uh, at the end of the day, we were prepared by everyone having at least one day a week uh, where they could, they could work remotely. So the six things I see, Annika, just to kind of frame it out, would be first would be time savings uh, with the commute. That, that has personally saved me almost three hours of my, of my waking hours every day. Uh, because my office is very far away from here because my partner founded the organization and I didn't want to relocate my family. So for 15 years, I've been making three hours worth of driving my daily experience during the work week. Not because it's productive, but because it was necessary. So that's number one. Number two, productivity, you know, the, the, the removal of office distractions. Um, that's a positive and a negative, but I'll argue the positive that I don't get interrupted in my in my thought process and our employees don't unless they choose to be right because they're in a remote environment that they can fully control the access to third would be schedule flexibility i'm able to and as our employees are able to uh, be in many places uh, very quickly you know i'll hang up from here and i'll go to i'll be out in california on a client meeting i really won't be i'll be here in boston but because of technology i'm, I'm able to do that so and i'm able to protect my solo working time Right. And people are able to, to protect their solo working time, even in the middle of their day, because they decide who, who want who they want to give access to balancing family, uh, the family needs. You know, like I said, if you're taking care of children or you're taking care of your elderly parents or a combination of the two, it gives you that space in your day to actually do those types of things without interfering with your with your productivity. Cost savings. You know, for me as a business, uh, there are less business expenses we have to pay for. And we did a lot of traveling pre-COVID. Um, you know, during COVID, there was no travel. So we watched that line item on our expense side shrink to almost nothing, which helps with profitability or and or the opportunity to employ more people, right, to help us do the work so that people actually have those resources. And then finally, I would say organizational design. You know, when you walk into an office and you have a meeting at a, at a board table, there are certain seats people sit in and certain seats people don't. Well, when you're on Zoom, Guess what? We are all in the box and the box is all the same size and there's no pecking order of the boxes. They just are what they are. So from an organizational design perspective, there's horizontal interactions uh, that happen, uh, I think, more frequently with remote than, than, than in, in a physical environment. Thank you so much for that, Mark, for those points. And no, we want to hear all the, 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 the pros for working in an open office space. Over to you, Dayton. <laughs> so like Mark, I did say to you earlier that I'm in favor of the hybrid model, right? However, I must put it out there that at the VM Group, we introduced remote work in 2018, which is pre-COVID. And there are some good reasons for that. 
But um, with that said, I would like to share with you the benefits of a open office. So first and foremost, as human beings, we're social animals, right? Majority of us, maybe not all, but majority of us do need some amount of personal interaction to perform at optimum, right? The, this matter of a self-responsibility and the intrinsic motivation that you would want persons to have when they're working remotely would want to think that this is something that is widespread, but that may not be the case. Many of us, including myself, need some amount of social interaction with my, my leaders and my peers to perform at optimum. So that's, a, that's, that's, that's the first thing. Working remotely and looking at four walls is just not the thing for many of us. And then you have the whole aspect of mental depression that comes into play when that takes place for some persons, for some team members. The second thing is, man, remote work often put this level of formality on work, right? That kind of impedes somewhat the decision-making process. Let me explain. When you are in office and you, you have a, a, a very good idea, a great idea, and you can run outside, you can bounce that off your team members, you can call up your leaders, you can say something quickly, quick consensus because you can see not only the face but the body language and everything the thing that comes with that. And the decision can be made quicker time and you're moving it right along. The reverse of that is oftentimes what you have to do is resort to is a formal setting a Zoom meeting, a Microsoft meeting, or a Skype meeting. Then you have to follow that up with emails, getting feedback, all that kind of stuff that comes with that when you're in that remote setting that it really sometimes could impact the way you make your decisions, um, you know, to, make the, to move the business forward. The other thing which is very important, Mark mentioned about culture. Well, Mark, let me tell you something else about it. Let me give you another quote for culture. This is one coming from Peter Drucker now, right? That culture eats strategy for breakfast, okay? Um, and, the point, and, and the point that Peter was making is that no matter how brilliant you are, Mark and Nico, you can come up with the best ideas um, for moving your business forward. If you don't have the right culture in place, that strategy equals not in most, most cases. It's very hard to build a culture remotely, especially if you're onboarding persons for the first time, right? You need that face-to-face -face interaction to ingrain that kind of culture that you're trying to push forward. Bear in mind that the culture is the DNA of the organization, not that it can't be done, but it takes a much longer time to do. And then there's this point that a lot of persons seems to ignore when they talk about remote work. Now, when you mandate remote work, right, you have to understand that you're also mandating that your home becomes the fixed place of work. Now, you have just blurred the lines between what is um, a personal to somebody vis-a-vis -vis what is work, right? And bear in mind that the organization has a responsibility to create a safe place of work, also to provide the required equipment and tools to do work. So if you say to a team member, you're mandated to work remotely, okay, so are you now going to create that place of work that is, um, is suitable to execute the roles and responsibility, provide the equipment that is needed? Not only that, 
somebody will have to explain how now you conduct those occupational health and safety issues that comes about at the workplace. Where do you draw, draw the line with your insurance and all that kind of stuff? Those are issues that can't be ignored um, when you are mandating work. The other part of it is, Mark, you mentioned earlier about work life. I do share your view on work life as well, but let's talk about work life for a little bit, right? There is this viewpoint that if you work remotely, you're able to balance more. Um, funny enough, that's the argument I used a couple of years ago. Balance more your life. Um, you can take care of a loved one, an ailing parent, that kind of thing, and so on while you're at home. But then what about those team members and those employees who don't have that kind of setup at home to do just that? Uh, are they going to prioritize work over the care of a loved one during their work hours? Can they basically find a space where they can have total concentration for those eight hours or nine hours, whatever it may be, to do just that? And are you actually asking them to do that, right? People, people come from various levels of socioeconomic background. Do you know what their lifestyle is? Do you know how they would operate and function in that kind of space for you to mandate it? Are you going to go to their house and create an office space for them, right? So those are arguments that um, really can't be ignored. And the last one I want to make is the whole matter of the relationship building. Is relationship necessary? You may say you're an introvert. I don't need anybody around me, right? I've heard team members said that until we have gotten into the middle of COVID and then they're calling to say, hey, I need to see people, okay? I need some amount of that, right? So there's also the aspect of how do you build a relationship with a team member so that you can understand how to support or collaborate with those said team members for the greater good of the organization. Those are my points. Oh, I truly, truly, truly love, 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 love this episode. Um, because those two, you know, the, both sides of the, the, the argument, you have valid points, right? And I'm listening to them. And some of those things I never really taken into consideration myself. So it's interesting to hear you bring those points forward. But at this point in time, I'm going to ask, I'm going to invite our listener, Karen Walker, to come and ask her question um, because she's been listening keenly to both of you and to the interesting points of view that you have put forward. So, Karen, just tell us a little bit about yourself and then um, ask, go ahead and ask your question. Hi, I'm Karen Walker and I worked in the mining industry for 17 years and I'm now working as a seamstress I make household custom household items so I'm currently self-employed um how does one ensure or how do you measure productivity for persons who are working from home so Hannah I, I assume I would uh, I would answer that for Kron um we measure productivity by being very clear about the objectives uh, or first what the role entails and then the objectives that the individual is expected to achieve. Um, we work really hard in our organization to focus less on the hours people are working and more on what they're producing. 
um, in totality. Now, obviously, if you're an hourly employee, then it's your values measured in time. But, you know, I often say and I tell people if it takes you six hours to do 10 hours of work. Good on you. You know, if it, if it takes you 10 hours to do eight hours of work, then perhaps there's ways for you to figure out how to be more productive with your daily environment. But the short answer to your question is to be very clear with objectives that can be measurable. Um, the one that can't be is, you know, the interaction, which we allow a manager, right? How that, you know, how that individual conducts themselves, their check-ins, their availability, you know, those types of things that I called soft costs or soft measurements before. Right, so having been in the mining industry for so long, security is very important. Protecting data, um, being in insurance and the financial industry, though that's a big issue. How would you advise an employer to ensure there is security? What kind of measures must be taken to ensure person's information is kept private. So in our, so I'll profess that I'm not a techie, so I'm not prepared to speak as though a, a, you know, a chief information officer would, but we have somebody on our staff. We have, first of all, a HIPAA security officer uh, that's required because all of the information we deal with, most of the information we deal with is protected uh, by, uh, by HIPAA, which means that it, it is personally, anything personally identifiable has to be dealt with in a certain way or there are significant fines and penalties to the organization for not handling it that way. But secondarily, if you're not in um, the healthcare space, just generally speaking, dealing with sensitive employee information, you obviously need to make sure that you've got the right systems in place. And frankly, you have the right technology partner. Uh, we outsource most of our um, that security work to a firm that specializes in that. We have an internal person who is responsible for managing that relationship. But at the end of the day, it's too important not to protect your data. And so you need to make sure the people you're working with are on the front edge, the leading edge of what's going on with your security. One of the things that we've seen recently, I think the listeners might value from, is we actually test our employee population by sending them uh, fake emails. Um, emails are a very uh, a very insidious way right now that uh, criminals all over the place are sending emails that look like they're from me or from my business partner. But if you really stop and look at the email string, you look at the character that would be on the on the web address as an, as an example. Uh, if you really look at the writing style, right, you can actually tell that it's not me or my business partner. But you have to stop and slow down. And so we actually have a program in place with our technology partner where we try to catch our employees, not because we want to penalize them, but because we want them to slow down and make sure when they're dealing with sensitive information or frankly, any email that comes in that they're being extremely careful about it. And we have a three strike rule. You know, first time we're, we're going to be, okay, K-Ron, did you know that that was a fake email from your bank? You clicked on it and then you would have set off all of these insidious things that could have affected our computer systems. The second time you do it, we actually send you to training, mandatory training on, on the sensitivity of the information you're dealing with. And a third time, if it happens, then we have to have a conversation no one really wants to have um, because we have to protect the data. It's the number one thing our clients expect of us. And frankly, our employees expect of us that any information we touch that's sensitive in nature uh, will be treated that way. 
All right. Thank you so much. And Dayton, I know perhaps you want to, to give a response to any of those two questions quickly before we, we, we wrap. Um, no, I believe Mark adequately answered the first question about, um, you know, you, you set smart objectives. You set smart objectives. That's the key to managing team members remotely and to measure productivity. It is objective setting, right? And then you have that continuous engagement of the team member to find out where they are, how do they need help. Your job is to remove the roadblocks so that they can do the best job that they can do having those objectives being set. So that's the first thing. Um, like Mark, I'm not a techie person either, but I think from the HR standpoint, what is very critical is to make sure that you have a data protection policy in place, have a unit that monitors data protection as well, and also align that with your business code of conduct and business ethics, just to ensure that all your team members are properly trained, they are aware um, of what these issues are, they are in compliance, with how they should operate. And at the end of the day, there are consequences for not following policy. So that's what I would add to what Marge just said. All right, thank you. And because you're on the floor, I'll ask you to just give us your biggest takeaway regarding the topic we're looking at increasing collaboration, creativity, and productivity, open office versus uh, remote work. Just give us your biggest takeaway for any of our business uh, listener right now to implement in their uh, businesses. All right. So I do believe that a hybrid is a preferred approach. Okay. I think that business ought to focus more on results rather than activities. Okay. And give team members the flexibility and the opportunity to function in an environment where they are most engaged and most productive. That may mean at home today, it may mean at work tomorrow. So we have to transition your organization into creating more smart spaces where people can come in, team members can come in, they can work, they can deliver on the results. If they want to go to the beach tomorrow, that's, that's my opinion, and, and deliver the results on the beach, for example, if we have an agreement that you should deliver three widgets today and you said, and you should say to me, I'd rather to go on the beach and deliver the three widgets. Tomorrow you come in, you give me six widgets. I'm going to ask you what you're doing at work. Okay. I mean, it's that kind of thing, giving team members the flexibility as well as the organization, the flexibility to create an environment where team members can be um, productive at their maximum levels. And so that's my, my, Take I take away. away. Yes. Right, thank you, Dayton. Thank you so much. All right. Over to you, Mark. So I, uh, Dayton, you and I see the world uh, very similarly. So I'm just going to say ditto to what you just said and add to that. Uh, I miss handshakes and hugs. And so that social element is absolutely critical, I think, to every human being, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you gather some energy at some point in time by interacting with other people. And so I agree with you and my partner, my business partner, Jennifer, will be very happy to hear you quoted the line she always says to me, that culture eats strategy. And no matter what you do, the most important thing you do is focus on your people and creating a flexible work environment, treating them like adults and responsible people uh, who, who and treating them with empathy because you understand the challenges that that this type of flexibility can bring and then support them through it, I think it only spurs collaboration. It doesn't hamper collaboration. 
Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to both your, both yourself, to Mark and Data. Now, of course, as I said earlier, uh, Mark Daniel is CEO and founder of Activated Health. And of course, Dr. Dayton Robinson is the uh, Chief Human Resources Officer at the VMBS Group of Companies, with the VMBS Group of Companies. And we had Karen Walker, who joined us to ask her question. And I want to say to everyone listening that you too have an opportunity to ask us a question, to sit in on our conversation and ask a question. And I'll give you the details later. But please allow me to say thank you to Karen Walker, as well as to our guests who have shared so much insightful information with us. I know the conversation was interesting. I was taking notes on my phone as I listened to you both. So thank you for spending time with us and for sharing with our audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Your Business Matters, a production of Exit Bank Jamaica in partnership with me, Henneke Watkins Porter of the Entrepreneur You Podcast. And we do hope that you learned a lot from this episode as we looked at the whole remote office versus open office. And, you know, does it increase your, which one increases for you productivity, creativity, and collaboration? Do let us know. And you can visit us at eximbankja.com and, of course, at eximbankja on social media and send us your feedback. We really want to hear from you. In the meantime, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast via your favorite podcast app. And when you do hear it on Nationwide 90FM, please share with your friends, friends of your friends, and so on and so forth. Your business matters. Bringing your matters to the table because your business matters. As you continue to mind your own business, I leave you with a quote from Amy Freshman. It is about workplace flexibility. It is about giving our associates the opportunity to be who they are as individuals, whether that is a community member, a spouse, or a parent, or anything in between. So essentially, this kind of sums up what our guests have been talking about. It's all about the human factor, considering their needs and how best they work as individuals. Until we meet again via this space, please do take care of yourself. Thank <music> you.